The After Party starts right now. Power up suits and welcome in to the After Party. I know what you're thinking. Holy crap. It's an After Party. It's been months since we've seen one of those. And you'd be right. But here at House Party Protocol, the After Party will never die. And with me as always on these After Parties, well, pretty much always, it's the one and only Nate from the Gamers Guild. What's happening, my guy? Not much, man. It's uh, it's been a little bit like since we've been in this room of the after party. It's crazy. It, it's been a minute, and you know, it's one of those things where it's not because I haven't wanted to continue doing the after party. This is one of those things I really enjoy, and the after party was kind of the birth of House Party Protocol going to a weekly podcast. And for those of you that might be new to house party protocol what the after party is is basically kind of taking a high level view of characters that have come out previously and kind of talking about what they do well talking about what they don't do so well maybe giving you a few plays here and there you can try and just kind of giving an overview of how they perform on the tabletop what we think of them and where they are in the here's this word meta would you say I categorize that right, Nate? I think so. Excellent. So, yeah, it's been quite a while since we've gotten one of these in, but I'm really excited to be here. And for those of you that have been here for a while and you remember the after party, well, those episodes, I think, are still pretty valid overall. And while we've had quite a few meta shifts, quite a few changes, new leaderships, completely new versions of old characters, there are certain things that still hold true for a lot of that stuff. And Nate, what I think we're going to do is kind of go and touch on some of those older characters that we've already done while picking up right where we left off. How do you think that sounds? Sounds daunting, but let's do it. (laughs) Daunting, but let's do it. And first things first, though, before we take a look back, Let's uh, take a look forward with a new reveal we've had, Nate. What is that reveal? We have seen our first affiliation pack, and I hope it's the first of many at least. Uh, But something very intriguing and very exciting for uh, being able to have a new tool to help uh, onboard new players. Yeah, so what is this affiliation pack you're talking about here? Uh, The one that we are talking about today is the Black Order affiliation pack comes with Ebony Maw, Corvus Glaive, Proxima Midnight, and Black Dwarf. So four characters all nicely bundled at a a little bit of a discounted price comes with all of the gems that these characters can take which is a really nice touch as well as any tactic cards that they had originally come with along with one extra that we don't know what it does yet at least. Yeah. The first of the Black Order card that we have talked about before that we're getting with the Black Swan and Supergiant, we are also getting in this pack here. And that's really intriguing because we don't mm-hmm. know what it does. <laughs> I am I'm very intrigued. I'm, I'm hopeful for certain things, but at the same time, like I, I just don't know yet. Don't know yet. So these are the same exact sculpts, same exact characters that we had previously with the addendum that confirmed we're getting the updated cards for all of these so the updated ebony maw card the 
updated Corvus and Proxima cards, as well as the updated gems with these characters. So I definitely As like well that. as an updated Black Dwarf card. Oh, there you go. Updated Black Dwarf. I don't remember him being part of the rebalance. He's not, but he will be the first non-rebalanced card printed in the new format. Oh, that landscape format. Nice. That's awesome. So AMG's calling this an affiliation pack, and it's basically saying, here, buy this and one other thing, and boom, you're playing that faction. And I really like that. I think that's kind of neat. And why do you hope this is the first of many? Uh, again, just a fantastic tool to bring new players into the game. One of the more daunting things about Marvel Crisis Protocol at this point is the, the backlog for somebody who's wanting to get in and start trying multiple things. And so having these packs that are like, hey, this is a good starting point if you want to play X affiliation, having that for something like Asgard, for A-Force, for now Black Order, would be uh, just such a great tool, uh, not to mention... Uh, reduces uh, skew bloat mm. with the number of products that a local gaming store would have to have on the shelf. So instead of having these really old skews of the Black Dwarf and Ebony Maw pack and the Corvus and Proxima pack, instead of taking up double the amount of space, they were able to just put this on shelf and be like, here's Black Order. Love it. I love it. And I'm excited to see if this goes anywhere further. I think this is a very exciting thing. And it's one of those things that is maybe a way to keep things fresh. Because I don't know about you, Nate, but I see every day someone popping onto the Facebook groups and being like, hey, I just started this. I'm pretty new here. I blah, 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 et cetera, kind of things, right? And we need to welcome those players as best we can but it's also hard to say like hey here's what you need to play this affiliation and if they keep doing stuff like this we can be like okay cool you're new or box great value and hey you want to play black order boom go grab this up right here or hey you want to play avengers great i got you right here you know that kind of thing i think that something like that could be pretty cool and mm -hmm. i don't expect to see this kind of thing kind of be a regular thing but i definitely could see it being something where like you know we just had the shield affiliation come out right well you got character packs like vision and winter soldier and hawkeye and agent widow that are pretty old it would be really cool to be part of like a quote-unquote shield pack and they're also you avengers. See that as an avengers pack before shield but yeah that's what i'm saying like do both yeah, it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's a treat for both because uh, you've got three affiliated one way or the other. Exactly. See, I'm big brain in this. Big brain, Nate. <laughs> Absolutely. Why, why would I ever dare question? Hey, look, I, they've called me a leader before. I don't know why. I'm a leader, leader of the free podcast world. I'm kidding. Oh. I don't know this. This is, I'm not tooting my horn that much. I am just kidding. I have imposter syndrome for real. So, <laughs> oh man, have you, have you seen like, uh, the, uh, on my own little podcast now there and elsewhere, there are people who are like, oh yes, Nate, the breaker of change, the leader. And I'm just like, why? No, like I won one decent sized event. Like, 
It was good. It was fun. And you're over here like you're you're a top cut participant now. No. See, it it was luck. I blame 100% of it to <laughs> pledging my soul to the Necronomicon. And uh, <laughs> that's, that's what happened. It's, I, can, I can verify it. Okay. <laughs> so anyways, so we're going to talk more about this pack as we kind of go in the future on another episode of House Party Protocol. But Nate, we're here to discuss a couple of characters that have been with us for quite some time. And what we're going to do is we're going to start with a couple of characters from the core box and kind of refresh our thoughts on those guys. And then we're going to do some more deep dive stuff on Beast and Mystique. So stay tuned for that. First up, Nate, let's talk about Spider-Man Peter Parker core Spider-Man, core Peter, questionable pose, frustrating card maybe initially a lot of people felt like because he wasn't an Avenger, we didn't have Web Warriors for a long time. We've got core Peter here, Nate. And real quick, how do you feel like core Peter is in today's MCP? I think he is a decent fourth threat. I think if you either have a game plan for him to be successful or if you are running Web Warriors, he will just kind of naturally be successful at what he wants to do. Uh, he is a fantastic control piece with uh, not one but two ways to move enemy characters uh, that are guaranteed. That's not even taking into account his uh, impact webbing, I think it's called. So, very, very controlly piece, but not a very durable piece, despite all the re-rolls on his card. Yeah, I think that's really fair. I think that a lot of the initial frustrations with him were warranted. But I also think that, like you said, if you're playing Web Warriors, Core Peter's actually a pretty decent thing, because everybody loves Venom, right? Venom is a great character, rightfully so. And... Or Peter can fill a similar role, yet slightly different than Venom does. So if you're playing something that's kind of spread out and you feel like that Venom's mobility is going to be hard to deal with, or maybe there's a Shuri across the board who can still push a Venom, stuff like that, like things that are going to make Venom very sad. Well, or Peter is a pretty good option and he still has the web line so he can pull enemy characters toward him short. He can web a pull people. If they're size two, he can throw them short within range three, which is a pretty darn good throw. So mm -hmm. I think he's got a lot of really interesting things going for him in the current MCP landscape that maybe get overlooked because there's a lot of other quote unquote sexy characters out there right now. Talk about Medusa. I mean, look, she's pretty legit. And I think that Core Peter is one of those characters that's like doesn't quite fit his threat value all the time when you bring up Medusa, when you compare him to arguably the best four in the game. But when you kind of start looking down the list of four threat characters, he can hold his own pretty well, I think. Yeah, no, especially, and uh, again, just one of those things that to, to look at the game balance, you, you look at a character that is maybe a little bit undertuned, but it's like, hey, do they have a home where they are going to play above where they would just play vanilla? 
and when that's the case and there is either like synergy with the game plan or game style uh, amongst other things it's kind of like well cool then the game design is where it should be exactly exactly so love me some core peter these days i actually took him to nashcon last year with my web warriors and ran him in a couple of games and he performed really well so yeah check out core peter he has a long move who doesn't love long moves you can literally have a web warrior squad with like other than miles that moves nothing but long and it's super fun just just gonna throw that out there shenanigans shenanigans so speaking of shenanigans the next core character that we're going to kind of gloss over real quick and remember this is kind of just very basic stuff here is one of your favorite characters nate who is that it's uh it's baron zemo it's baron helmet zemo yet he doesn't wear a helmet he's got a crown i don't you know i don't know look zemo to this day is still one of the best three threat characters in the game period full stop and is outshined by sexier new toys i guess that's going to be the keyword these days it's sexy new toys <laughs> but we're going to keep it pg 13 <laughs> yes anyways i digress so zemo here is one of the most consistent characters in crisis protocol would you agree with that nate I, I would. I think he is probably the most consistent character in the game. What makes him so consistent? Uh, rerolls. He is probably king of the rerolls. In addition to providing a reroll on defense and attack rolls to himself and anybody else within range two of him that's an allied character, he also has the ability to spend two for Master Swordsman when either attacking or defending with against or with a physical attack within range two to give full defensive rerolls or full offensive rerolls. I love it. Yes. So he's great. His quote unquote big spender attack only costs him two power and gets him to an automatic movement afterwards. So mm-hmm. when you combine his steel rush attack for two power, six dice, with his master swordsman, that's four power, which is the cost of a lot of spenders around here. Whereas this one is going to do. A ton of damage, likely. And I think the only area where you could say that maybe his luster has maybe gone just a little bit is the fact that there is so much physical defense in the game and so much defensive tech out there that maybe you could make an argument. But look, you put Zemo in your list, you put Zemo on the table. I'm gonna give you the, I'm gonna give you the play right here. Do not, do not activate him first and run him to the middle of the table. Just don't do that, and you will have a great time with Zemo. Now, I'm just, I'm just curious. Are, are you telling people to not worry about, like, just physical attacks are bad right now because you're playing Convocation? Is this, like, part of some master scheme? Oh, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. I'm saying that, look, if my opponent says, here's a Zemo, have fun. Well, guess who's having fun? This guy. This guy's having fun because now... Whether I'm playing Convocation or not, I'm doing everything in my power to murder the Baron. That's fair. Because you know, I, I think, know how yeah, good he is. I think Zemo is a, a wonderful counter to your mystic shenanigans since he's got his own uh, 
Mystic Defense of four for whatever reason, and then of course the uh, physical attacking into your lower defenses is just fun. It is just fun, and yes, I don't like that. But uh, hopefully, he only attacks me with my Ironbound books are up, and then he's having a sad day. So, anyways, I look. I love Zemo, and he's a character that has been in and out of my lists regardless of what I'm playing constantly. And and I've always felt like that you get work out of him. Larry's on the table. So, yes, play Zemo, be good. And now, Nate, let us turn our attention to the main topics of this podcast. And these are characters that have been out for uh, over a year now, right? Mm-hmm. Year and a half-ish. Yeah. So we've had a lot of table time with them, and they're characters that I feel like when they first came out, it was like, okay, this one's good. This one's just okay. Yet, I think that we've kind of been able to settle into to what these characters are at this point. But I do always feel like that there's new ground to discover with every character in Crisis Protocol. So, Suits, if you're out there listening, send us messages at housepartyprotocolpod at gmail.com or send me messages on Facebook. Just message our Facebook page and let me know if there's any secret special stuff that you like to do with these characters or if there's anything that we didn't mention because there's always fun things to talk about. And you can also, if you're interested, check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash housepartyprotocol and you get access to our Discord there for as little as a dollar a month or 12 bucks a year. You get to support the show and be a part of, in my humble opinion, the greatest community I've ever been a part of, like I, I cannot express gratitude to the suits that are patrons out there enough because it is wonderful. The environment over there is, is amazing. And so I really appreciate that. So you guys can come and hang out with us over there and, and chit chat and tell us about how wrong or right I am about beast and mystique. So first up, Nate, let's talk about beast. Here's a character that before playing any games, my thoughts were worse Venom, period. What about you, Nate? Before playing any games with Beast, what did you think? I thought it was just kind of a, a weird package character uh, where his uh, first strike has a little bit of range to it. Uh, he, he does have Venom's defensive stats, but I've never really looked at him as a as a Venom-esque uh, kind of guy. But as an Avengers player, uh, there was one thing that uh, excited me early on, which is that uh, Baser Instincts throw that he has. Yeah, so his Baser Instincts here is one of those things that Beast is affiliated Avenger. So you can play Beast in your Avengers roster and be affiliated and under Steve's leadership he gets a size two throw for one power, just right off the rip. That's awesome. I mean, like awesome, awesome. <laughs> yep, like they increased Valkyrie's throw cost because two was too good for her, but for Beast, uh, apparently it's okay. Yeah, and it's one of those things where I think that when you look at this character card here and you see that, it kind of gets lost, I think, in the two energy defense, 
his acrobatic strike being range three, but having the wild of like, oh crap, I have to place within one of mm-hmm. the target character if I roll this wild. Like, oh my God. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I think that a lot of times people can get caught up in those kind of things. But if you play beast right and kind of explain what that is here in a minute, but you can really get a lot of work out of him. And he is a ridiculously mobile character. And that's what surprised me the most when I first got games in with him is just how mobile he is. He's a 50 millimeter base with a medium move. And at the time when he came out, we didn't really have a ton of those. Am I right? Uh, I mean, there were there were a couple, but not like tons and tons at the three threat slot specifically. Right. And so now that he's been around for a while, I think, again, like it's like, oh, that's that's kind of cool. But, you know, you got Lizard, who is ridiculously tanky at that three threat range. And I say ridiculously tanky. Look, Lizard can be dealt with, but we'll, we'll talk about Lizard. He's, he's a tanky boy. He's a tanky boy. So... Beast's kind of, his mobility with his movement, his acrobatic strike with the potential for the ambush, which is the place, or even his animalistic freestyle with his ability to move on that one or do a push is really great. Like, I love, I love all of that. And hey, let me ask you this. What does Beast do well? Be very mobile and get power. So, yes, he's very mobile, and he does get a lot of power. So everybody talks about the Dr. Voodoo. Ooh. Is that good? You like but that? you got goosebumps. I figured you would. Everybody talks about Dr. Voodoo, right? And Beast here was our first viewing of a superpower where it's, if you roll a skull, you get a power. The difference being, I think Beast doesn't roll dice as often as Voodoo does sometimes, but realistically, though, he's rolling quite a bit of dice. And Acrobatic Strike is a five dice builder, so you're likely to do some damage there against a three dice defense. So when you say he gains a lot of power, you're talking about rolling the skulls plus just his normal build, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, between the... A five dice attack going into no modifications on a three dice roll, you're probably getting in one or two damage. You probably get a skull somewhere, either on defense, offense, maybe even an interact roll, which the X-Men really love. Uh, So he just is probably seeing a lot of just kind of passive natural power gain off of his uh, disconcerting yet provocative. It is disconcerting yet provocative that he rolled a skull. But, and I don't know about you, Nate, every single time I roll a skull with Beast, I definitely say that. Uh, that is not the same for me, but I'm glad that you do. Oh, come on, man. How can you not? It's such a, like, sweet phrase to say. Just just try it. Like, oh my gosh, you just rolled a skull. Yeah, but that requires me to play Beast a lot more, too, is the other problem. I see, I see. So... Beast is one of these characters that he's kind of in this weird middle ground of good and useful character, but probably better characters can do the same thing that he wants to do. And this leads me into 
what his faults are. And I think that the glaring fault is that there's quite a bit of energy attacks out there these days, and he has a two energy defense. And that, for me, is really tough, because unlike a character like Venom, he doesn't have a way to heal himself other than bringing medpack or something. Mm -hmm. So he's very susceptible to getting burned down pretty quickly. Any other faults, really? Uh, I really wish that his ambush trigger on the acrobatic strike, that is the getting a wild after the attack is resolved, place this character within range one of the target character. Uh, it can be great for when Beast needs to try to get over there, uh, but the times where Beast is already where you want him to stay, whether that's to play a tactic card later, stand on a point, etc., uh, but still try to be proactive on the board, uh, acrobatic strike becomes a little bit of a risk. Yeah, I, I think you really nailed it there in that you always have to be aware of the possibility that you're going to be placing somewhere that you didn't intend. So when you look at it that way, do you feel like that Beast has a particular style of play that he prefers? over others like for instance placing with that ambush like you can't rely on it you know what i mean but like mm -hmm. trying to to say okay well i'm either going to move and attack and then hopefully place or i'm going to move and attack and hopefully do some damage but oh darn i didn't get the place like do you, do you feel like he has a particular style like maybe a particular crisis setup uh i <laughs> Really, I think his uh, his best home is going to be with Storm's X-Men, which, uh, because of how he plays with that team specifically. So I might, uh, I might be jumping the gun a little bit on affiliations and stuff like that. Uh, but because of Storm's leadership that allows uh, characters to get a leapfrog or the, if they're within range two, place them within range one of this other character, uh, Beast's medium base is good as either the character getting the place or being placed off of, which works really nicely. He also certainly loves the cover on that low energy defense when he's uh, getting pelted from afar. But you know what? We talked about a character that is very similar to Beast earlier already, and that is Baron Zemo. And Baron Zemo's just more consistent. Uh, mm -hmm. While being about as equally mobile as Beast, the the main thing that Beast has over Zemo is the fact that he has a throw. Yeah, he has that displacement, which for my play style, I really like that kind of thing. I like being able to have cheap displacement. The frustrating thing about Beast's displacement is that it's limited to size two. However you're going to run into some size twos in this game. Like, I think that's the most common size in the, mm -hmm. this game. So you shouldn't really have a problem if you pilot him correctly. And that's one of the things I want to talk about here with Beast is piloting him correctly and putting him in positions to succeed. So like we talked about earlier, there is so much physical defense and attacks in Marvel Crisis Protocol that Beast can really shine with his for physical defense, plus his stars and garters defensive reroll, which is really good. And we talked about already how he can generate power pretty well. And if you put him into a pay-to-flip secure situation, so for me, 
things like the spider portals comes to mind or the sword base comes to mind. The origin bombs one. That one comes to mind. You know, all of these things that you have to pay some kind of thing. Maybe not origin bombs because it's energy defense and maybe not spider portals because it's energy defense. Anything where you have to roll dice, pay, hope to get that skull, well, one, you're getting it back that you paid for it, and two, you're able to kind of build those things up over time. So I kind of like that a lot. Plus, if you're playing him with X-Men, you've got that first class, so he doesn't have to pay right away, and then you roll a skull, and boom, you're throwing somebody off a point. Works pretty nicely. Yeah, and... I know people out there listening are like, Jesus, Will, you just named all the energy ones, and he's got a two-energy defense. I thought you thought you said that stunk. Okay, fine. I did. But look, Mutant Madman's a thing. Use Mutant Madman. There you go. Done and done. <laughs> oh, yeah. Absolutely. And, and Mutant Madman is very good for Beast, but that's where he probably shines the most. Absolutely. I think that is his favorite crisis, because when you think about the range bands between the side things like one of the things that we've been talking about a little bit in the house party protocol discord is kind of lanes if you will on the tabletop and on the b-shape secure you've kind of got two lanes with like a middle neutral area right depending on what the extract is and when you look at those lanes beast can be at range one of let's say his side whatever his player side is at range one in front of that secure there and pretty reliably get to the other secure with his range three acrobatic strike and stuff like that. And then again, with Storm's leadership, be relatively safe with cover and the defensive rerolls. And he can, I've seen games where he can kind of hold down a side. Him and maybe one other three threat kind of hanging out on a side. Have you seen anything like that? Yeah, no, he's a, he's a character that uh, doesn't mind just being on a flank for uh, the D secures and stuff like that, for sure. Exactly. So, yeah, I uh, highly encourage the suits out there to give Beast a try. I know we have uh, Octo Taco. I've mentioned him a few times on the show, but I'll mention him again here in the House Party Protocol Discord, who has been trying to convince me that Beast is good in Convocation. I I still probably, you know, like probably other people I would rather have there. But that's the thing that's fun is you can try these characters in any affiliation and see if they get any kind of fun stuff happening for you. And I think he's pretty solid. I think Beast is a underrated character that probably isn't played enough because like we've talked about a little bit already, his uh, shine isn't there anymore because we have so many new toys nowadays. But hey, the next thing I want to ask you here is where does Beast fit in affiliation-wise the best? I mean, I think it's obviously X-Men. And so like let's let's pick a couple more other than X-Men, but why do you think just X-Men in general he's so good there? Other uh, is there any reason other than we haven't mentioned already? I, I talked about it a little bit before with uh, the synergies with Storm's leadership and his base size. Uh, X-Men are undoubtedly, in my opinion, the best affiliation at any of the flip secures. 
and they run Mutant Madman in that suite, and Beast is probably one of their better pieces uh, for that objective, so I definitely just X-Men in general. Uh, outside of that, uh, I think the Avengers uh, turn one, throw somebody off a point is uh, cute and definitely uh, worth uh, keeping in mind. Yeah, I specifically think that the Avengers is really interesting because especially if you're going into convocation, like if you play somewhere that someone has like a really strong convocation list and they're doing the whole run across the board and, and grab your stuff thing with like voodoo beast is a really nice counter to that. So check mm-hmm. that out. And also vision. <laughs> so and yeah, also vision and also vision. I mean, look, vision's great, but out of affiliation wise, I think I really like beast in the games. I've played him in my criminal syndicate. Like, There's probably better options at the three threat if you're trying to play competitive. But Beast is really interesting in Criminal Syndicate led by Kingpin because you can use him as a like, okay, I'm going to either do some damage and then place over here and now I'm counting as two and you have to deal with me or I'm going to just do some damage and hang out here and if you come to me, I'm still counting as two. So good luck. So I kind of like that that play with him. I've done that a few times. And the other place where I kind of like him is in Humans, which, interestingly enough, he is also affiliated with. Because, you know, he's friends with them. But I like him there because he benefits from the power passing. Like, he's a, a character that you can activate kind of early to pass the power around and get the power onto Medusa or whomever else it's Medusa uh, you might want to use. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or you you could reasonably pass a power to Beast so that he has access to Baser Instincts turn one. That's also true. So a lot of fun things you can do with him in Inhumans, and I would uh, definitely recommend checking him out there if you have this pack. So, Nate, any other thoughts on Beast before we move on? No, uh, nothing over here at least. Right. Well, Suits, definitely, like I said earlier, let us know what you guys think about Beast. And uh, yeah, no shade at Octo Taco there, but uh, he's, look, Beast is is an interesting character. And I think that he's one of the more fun characters in the game that you can just like, you just kind of don't know what you're going to get with that ambush and everything. But when you do kind of hit it off and it's kind of flowing real nice, when you're floating like a, it can be a lot of fun, I think. So, oh, my stars and garters. <laughs> Next up, we have the one and only shapeshifter in Marvel Crisis Protocol, and that is Mystique Raven Nurcomb. So, this is a character that comes with a leadership, and that is for the Brotherhood of Mutants, and I'm going to read this leadership because... I don't know about you, Nate. I don't see a lot of people playing Mystique's leadership these days. I know those people exist. I know people play her leadership. Don't get me wrong. But I just don't see it often enough that I feel like a refresher is in order. How do you feel about that? Go for it. She has the Freedom Force leadership, which I just love that name. Once per turn, after an allied character interacts with an extract objective token, after all effects are resolved, the allied character gains one power. Additionally, 
allied characters may use the following interact ability. Interact, secure objective token. Place a token on this objective token. While this token is in play, you are securing the objective. Remove the token if an enemy character contests this objective token. You may only have one token in play at a time as a result of this leadership ability. Holy, lots of text. But Nate, what surprised you when the, you first played Mystique? Uh, that uh, rapid fire plus shapeshifter is really good. <laughs> yeah, so I've played into Mystique a lot more than I've played as Mystique. I've played a fair bit of Mystique. And the thing that surprised me playing into her is just how deadly expert sabotage can be. Okay, yeah. Like, look, as someone who has played Web Warriors a lot, one of my main opponents loved his brotherhood and always loved to go after Miles with Mystique for obvious reasons. Now, Web Warriors are a little bit unique in that Spider Senses are an innate superpower, so they still get that reroll instead of Shapeshifter turning it off. However, for whatever reason, his Mystique would always do like two or three damage to Miles in an attack. And then, guess what? He's standing next to a piece of terrain, standing on a piece of terrain, whatever, and boom, Miles dead. <laughs> like... Yep, nope, basically anybody who is taking advantage of cover gets two free damage. Exactly. So, Nate, once I got games in with Mystique here and against Mystique, that ability is one of those that really stood out to me in that if you're playing with Mystique or against Mystique, you have to constantly be aware of that and how much damage you have because... It's one of those things, it costs an action and it costs three power, so it's a hefty fee. But an opportunistic Mystique player is going to take advantage of it. Mm -hmm. What about you, Nate? What do you, how do you feel about Mystique in the overall? Uh, I think she is a, a very good character. I've been playing her again recently with uh, one of my personal pet lists and... Uh, she's real good. The The card itself, just the character card alone, is uh, really good because uh, the uniqueness of Shapeshifter and the opportunities that that creates when uh, playing into some usually really tanky pieces that can suddenly uh, lose some of their ability to defend normally. Uh, not to mention uh, Espionage is really cute because before damage is dealt, they gain stun, so... If espionage gets off big, then it's like, oh, well, you normally would have gotten like four or five power here. Whoops, the daisies, you get one. Uh, martial artist is always great, especially when it's combined with stealth. And you've already talked about uh, expert sabotage. Guaranteed damage in this game is exceptional and should never be underwritten. Absolutely. And I think that you just, you nailed everything about this character that I, I just find intriguing and fun. And when I look at what Mystique does well, I think about it in the terms of a little bit of everything. She moves along. She has stealth. 
she has defensive tech, not only in the form of shapeshifter, but also in the form of martial artist. So, you know, characters that usually need a little help on defense, well, now Mystique shuts that off, and it's really great, and I just, I love it. And I guess I say shapeshifter's defensive tech. It's really not, but I guess it kind of is in a weird way because it shuts off some... It stops counterattacks and stuff. Yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, stops Venom from eating her, which is always good. And so I say all that to say that she's like this jack-of-all, master-of-none, but she's a really pivotal piece whenever she is on the board. Fair to say? She is master of one thing. In my opinion, she's the queen of tactic cards. <laughs> and why is that, Nate? Uh, because I think she has the single best uh, character-specific tactic card in the game, uh, with, as you've already mentioned, Deception. Yes, so Deception is a Mystique-specific, unaffiliated tactics card. Mystique may play this card. Now, Nate, does that have to be on her turn? It certainly does not. Oh, God, for the love of all things holy. So, keep that in mind <laughs> when you're playing against Mystique because it will bite you square in the place where the sun doesn't shine. Okay? Mystique may play this card. Choose an enemy character within range four of this character if there is no other non-dazed enemy characters within range two of the chosen character who may advance the chosen character. It's speed toward this character. So basically it is an extremely powerful bit of displacement. And most people that play into Mystique will understand that if Mystique is moving up, she's going to play this card before someone can get to within two to save whoever it is that's up there. However, if you're playing with Mystique and your opponent feeds you someone and then doesn't immediately send someone to range two, like let's say you move Mystique up, but you don't play Deception, maybe you're trying to bait something out or something, I highly recommend that you punish them for it. <laughs> it's probably mean to say, but yeah, this is such a great tax card. Nate, why is it so good for you? Uh, well, you never, you never talked about how much power it cost. Oh, that's right. It costs no power. It costs no power. Uh, so this thing is just active turn one. Mystique can still go pick up an objective uh, and have this card online, and, unless, of course, you go and pick up a hammer, etc., uh, etc. Et but uh, no, it's the, the fact that this is online turn one and is probably relevant for the rest of the game if you don't play it on turn one. Oh, absolutely. You have to be thinking about it at all times if... It's on the table because my favorite use of it and the most common use I've seen is taking Gwen or Miles or some very important pivotal piece and saying, okay, like Thanos does his tractor beam, you're getting deceptioned and now you're dead before you get to play the game. Thank you for bringing this toy that I can murder. Is that how you've seen it happen? Yeah, whether it's on a, a B or a D, it doesn't really matter what the, the secure is or where you have gone to 
go get an extract. Uh, Mystique can reach you and pull you in so that uh, maybe characters are getting double taps as early as turn one. Uh, the, the things that uh, this card enables are nasty. They are, and, and they're too varied to name here, but the point I want to leave you with when talking about deception is the fact that you have to be aware of it, but there is counterplay to it. One of the things that I liked to do and maybe it was a little bit counterintuitive, but it wasn't a bad opening move, I would say. And that's activate someone like Venom early. Okay, great. I've activated Venom. I know you don't want to pull Venom in. Even if you do, he's only going to move short, so it's no big deal. And then I go stand everybody next to Venom. And now, okay, everybody's within range two of everybody. And hopefully you don't have any sweet beams. And there you go. Life is good. But that's one way to get around it. And just being aware of it is a way that you're going to play into it. So keep that in mind. But uh, believe me, it's going to happen at some point. And if you've ever been on the receiving end of a deception and then your model doesn't get to play the game anymore, you're going to remember that. So with that, Nate, does Mystique have any faults, really? Uh, you know what? I, at three threat, I can't find any major faults with her character card. Yeah, I'd say that in terms of well-roundedness, I think she's a sweet spot. Like, if we're measuring characters on the bell curve, right? Like, she doesn't have a ton of health, but she's got, like, the nice combination of defensive tools, like attack her at range three, and, and she's probably going to go down, right? But... Mm-hmm. She is really in that sweet spot of like the bell curve of like three threat characters. She's the top of the bell curve. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't, I don't like, I think you, if you were looking for a, a very good standardized three threat, uh, she, she does fit that bill very nicely. Like she's not a character that really needs offensive modification. She's kind of got that with shapeshifter in specific situations she doesn't need any control or board control uh, elements because she has all of this other stuff going on uh, that isn't really quite as quantifiable as some of the, the typical things that you would normally look for. Uh, so I think, I think she's extremely uh, well-rounded. I don't know if she's top of the uh, three-threat bell curve or anything like that, but I, I think she is uh, definitely playable and definitely splashable. Absolutely. And... The other thing I want to ask you real quick, Nate, is well, we're talking about a lot about deception, how useful that is. Do you feel like that that makes her a one-trick pony? And that that's, like, I think we've, we've said enough to say that it's not, but after deception's out, do you feel like she's still a viable character on the tabletop? I think she's a three-trick pony. Exactly. I think deception is her first trick. I think expert ta- sabotage is the second trip. And then she's got Shapeshifter as the third trick. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. I think she's definitely got all the tricks, but none of the traps. No traps, all tricks. <laughs> so with that, Nate, what affiliations do you feel like Mystique plays very well with? You know what? I, I will leave the, this realm of play that I think you're going to dive into alone. And I'm going to go with Shadowland Daredevil. 
Oh, because that's a spicy pick. Uh, it, it she there's very man. First of all, like why isn't she criminal syndicate? She should just be criminal syndicate. Like she, she's a crime boss. That's that's what she does. She's the leader of the freedoms. Um, <laughs> yeah, and sometimes a criminal entrepreneur. But uh, so really, the synergy there is it's pretty simple. Uh, she is a character with rapid fire, with a leader that gives extra rerolls on all of your attacks. Uh, so that means that her first attack from the pistol would get a reroll, and then the attack that you hopefully get with rapid fire gets a reroll, and then you just kind of keep going that, and you're just uh, you're it's just the value train all over again. Uh, so that plus deception fits really well into there because their whole game plan is just kind of pure aggression, and being able to deception somebody either off of a point or onto a point even to make it so that the rest of your team is getting those rerolls can be additionally valuable just in a different way than you'd normally try to play it. Exactly. And I will it is important to note she doesn't get rerolls just across the board on her attacks with Shadowland Daredevil. They do have to be holding or contesting an objective token. So that is an important note. But like you said there at the end, you can play that to your advantage with a character like Mystique. And it really can be a nice little damage ramp, I think, with her. So that's a really good choice there. I like that. Any other ones? Uh, I mean, obviously she plays well uh, in Brotherhood, not just because of her own leadership, but also synergizes really nicely with Magneto. Expert Sabotage blows up terrain, gives her power back for it, as well as distributing it amongst her friends. And just having a lower threat to Brotherhood-affiliated member is always nice. Nice, yeah. So, for me, I think there's a few places. Like, she's affiliated Cabal, and I think she plays really well in Cabal, and they love the Dark Rain play that she can give you, which I think is really nice, you know, getting... She has a, a real easy time gaining power and and use that power for Dark Rain, which gives her the rerolls, which makes her rapid fire that much more consistent. So I really love that. And then if you're playing like a wider cabal list with Sin as your leader, I think Mystique is crucial to that strategy personally. So mm -hmm. I really love that. But that's where she's affiliated. So out of affiliation, let's talk here for a second. So we've talked about one of her most important abilities, and that is Shapeshifter. So that turns off defensive rerolls, reactive superpowers, stuff like that so shout out to Merzane because I did not come up with this but there are certain leaderships certain places where you can put her where they have abilities that give them rerolls so like Wakanda is a really good example and Midnight Suns another example they don't give you rerolls Will I hear you saying out there random suit listening to this both of those affiliations have a tactics card that allows them to rattle off three attacks. That being Wakanda Forever and Siege of Darkness. So if you activate Mystique, it doesn't have to be her that plays those cards. It's just on Mystique's turn, you can play Siege of Darkness, play Wakanda Forever, 
And now, no matter where your opponents are on the board, no matter who's attacking them, they do not benefit from their defensive tech because it is Mystique's turn. It's really great. And just ask the King of Tennessee, the maestro of the Mid-South, if you will, or Zane, <laughs> about how good the strategy can be. And it's one that I've seen him used very effectively. It's one that's been around for a little bit now. And I think if you put her in any of those two affiliations, and especially like Wakanda, right? Like I think it actually is more interesting in Wakanda because of her ability to displace people with deception. And Wakanda really likes their displacement. And so Steek can displace someone to get them in the right range for an attack. And I really love that kind of stuff. And maybe gets them into double tap positioning for some characters and whatnot, right? So I really like that. And then on Siege of Darkness, obviously, you've got a four threat leader. You've got characters like Ghost Rider in there who can hit pretty hard. And if you're turning off defensive tech, so going into someone like Venom with a Ghost Rider who's rolling six energy dice can be pretty spicy. Mm -hmm. So... Think about those kind of things when you're looking at some of these characters that we talk about here of ways that you can kind of maybe look at it from an angle and, and see a new way to put those characters out there on the tabletop. Like I would have never thought of Mystique doing something like that, but the fact is her ability, it's on her turn, but other things happen during her turn that you can control. So I think that's a really fun thing. Do you have any other notes on those particular instances, Nate? No, I think you uh, nailed it. Though maybe don't uh, go poke the King of Tennessee. He's in a he's in a salty mood recently. And Josh, if you're listening to this, you know it's true. <laughs> well, look, we're gonna sprinkle a little sugar on him. He's gonna be coming to the tournament in May, which is May 21st in Nashville. For anybody that's out there listening, come and hang out with us. And then we got NashCon. It's all gonna be a good time. I can't freaking wait and yeah so sprinkle a little salt on merzane everybody make sure to uh if you're in a discord with merzane make sure you send pictures of omega red he loves pictures of omega red send him your omega reds painted not painted or gifts or just random picture you find on the internet loves omega red so just make sure you send him those love you josh absolutely uh, do it <laughs> so so definitely do that. But also another place that I have been toying with Mystique, and specifically because I like Deception, is in my Convocation. Because I tend to play it where I have Strange every time. Supreme Strange every time, right? Like, I, I very rarely play my Convocation without Supreme Strange. And so being able to load up on useful three-threat characters is very beneficial. And I love Clea. I think she's got some really nice control elements to her, but she doesn't do a ton of damage. Mordo, I really like as well, but he doesn't do a ton of damage. But Mordo's really cool with a character like Mystique because she has a rapid fire. And Mordo can buff Mystique's attack to give her extra dice to get her more likely to hit that second attack. And I really love that kind of stuff. And then also, turning off the defensive tech of people can really help convocation. And then additionally, that deception is so valuable 
to the convocation, being able to get an early days and then an early KO potentially because Mystique was able to use Deception to pull someone in has been proving very nice for me. And then layer into that, the defensive stuff. So if someone does, like I said earlier, attacks her at range three, if she survives the attack, then she can potentially, using the Circle of the Cosmos side of the leadership, place out of range into the stealth range where she can no longer be seen to be attacked again, which has proven very useful for me as well. So just be careful not to place yourself out of martial artist range if you can't get out to that <laughs> stealth range. I did that once. It did not go well. <laughs> womp womp. Womp womp. So yeah, I, I definitely think Mystique is interesting in Convocation, and I encourage people out there that are checking out Convocation to give her a try if you're kind of going for a more attrition style. I think she plays pretty well there. So yeah, that suits is our discussion on Mystique and Beast. But real quick, before we put a bow on this beautiful show that we've done here, we have a few show questions, Nate. Are you ready? Always. So... We have Jera says, favorite place to have Mystique use Shapeshifter, i.e. in Guardians of the Galaxy during their lovable Misfits turn. So look, that's another great example of a place for Mystique to use her ability. I think the two that I mentioned are the most like awesome, quote-unquote, places, like Wakanda Forever and Siege of Darkness, but lovable Misfits is great too. Because you activate Mystique, and then any number of allied Guardians characters can spend one power, and then they do a whole bunch of stuff. So that could be pretty fun. Have you ever done that one, Nate? I have not done it with Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, Lovable Misfits is a a very fun card, uh, but it's not one that I have found myself bringing recently. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can see that. The uh, it's crit or wild to get the attack off. And otherwise, it's kind of interesting things that happen. But the Critter Wild is the one you want. And, uh, you know, being able to potentially make that happen and not have to worry about a clapback is pretty good. So yep, Absolutely. Next up, we have Schultze here. Four Iron Man is clearly stonks due to Helios Laser and the new S.H.I.E.L.D. affiliation. What other early release characters are looking good Right now. Hey, I'm going to let you take this one to begin with. You get to take this one? You get to take this one to begin with. Oh, boy. Well, uh, and granted, I'm a little bit biased here, but characters that I think are looking really strong from the early days are Captain America, Steve Rogers, uh, Iron Man, you already mentioned, uh, Black Panther, Vision, Hulk, and uh, Loki. Yeah, so... Ones that haven't gotten a rebalance, I would have to say that I think Vision specifically has seen this like resurgence. Like he's always been good, people. He's always been good, right? Like there's no question about that. But seeing him being on the tabletop a lot more lately for whatever reason, like I don't know who it was that decided like, oh, I'm just gonna start playing Vision again. But it's great because he really is a good character and, you know, fair and balanced character in my humble opinion. And I think that he's a really good example. And another one that I think is a really good example, especially as it relates to the new S.H.I.E.L.D. affiliation, is Hawkeye. I think Hawkeye is another one that 
it has always been good. You're seeing in a lot of different places, but specifically S.H.I.E.L.D. and Guardians of the Galaxy with some of the stuff they do. Hawkeye, really great. And, and I think actually with Guardians is a very good example of a character that because the Guardians leadership got changed, Hawkeye has just become really good with him, I think. Yeah, no, I think uh, Vision certainly saw a, uh, a kind of sideways buff. Uh, where he did not necessarily get buffed, but Enchantress getting nerfed uh, let him kind of... Because uh, th those two were always fighting for a very similar spot, and her nerf uh, has let him uh, rise up a little bit there. Uh, I, I'm i still a huge fan with uh, of Loki and Mind Jim. Uh, just as, as far as the early release characters go, I think Loki is 100% underrated. Uh as a character that can count blanks on both offense and defense for just two power trickster shenanigans. Uh, Loki's real cool. Oh yeah. I, I have to agree with you there. Next up we have Nathan says, which pose for beast book reading or old man fist. And I'm going to add an addendum to this upside down or right side up. You go first, Nate. I think if you go upside down, you should go for the book. I think if you go for a normal upside right, I, I think uh, either one is fine, but I chose fist. Nice. Also, additionally, uh, glasses or no glasses? Uh, again, reading or not reading. Okay, fair. So, yeah, for me, I put my beast upside down reading a book with the glasses on because, look, I'm a child of born in the 80s but grew up watching the 90s show so like i mean come on it, yeah i feel like if you loved that show you almost have to do that i'm not saying that you did anything wrong if you didn't do it that way i'm just saying just say it nate <laughs> but you're saying uh, i did wrong i'm saying you did it wrong but i love the old man fist because it's like ah you you kids that's disconcerting yet provocative god dang it <laughs> mm -hmm. you know so next yeah, get up off we, my lawn. <laughs> get off my lawn, you crazy kids. You're disconcerting me. Leland says, when Beast rolls a skull, what aspect of the action do you suppose is disconcerting yet provocative? Great question. And I think it's the aspect of the fact that something failed in what he was trying to do. That is disconcerting but also provocative in that it provides him with a new way to approach a problem. And like I said, you should say this every single time you roll a skull with beast. <laughs> every time. Go ahead, try it, Nate. Uh, I'd rather not. Just, oh, come on, do it for me. Uh, what is it, disturbing yet provocative? <laughs> you saying it like that is disturbing. <laughs> just, just reading it. Is not enough for you. I have to. There has to be like emphasis. And oh man, come on! You you got do, it. Do I have to say it in a disconcerting yet provocative way? There you go. This guy. There you, there, you go. there you go. It only took a few tries, people. And if you could make any character in the game a new gem bearer, who would it be, and what gem would it be? Nate, you go first. Uh, core Iron Man, and 
I think he wielded the Soul Stone in the comics, but I'm not 100% sure. I know that each member of the Illuminati was uh, tasked with one of the different gems at uh, different times. I don't remember. I don't probably Iron Man didn't get Soul. I don't know what he got, but that's uh, that's what I would love to see. I can see that. So before I give my answer, Jera says, "Give Black Bolt the power, gem, you cowards." Um. <laughs> I mean, look, that's actually a pretty good choice because Black Bolt could really use some power to start his turns and then, you know, be really good, more better. But alas, I'm going to have to say I think it'd be kind of cool to see Vision with a, with a gem, even though, like, in the comics he has the solar gem, not the mind gem like in the movies, but I think it could be kind of cool if he had the mind gem. Or some gem, like good God, Vision with the Mind Gem would be a nightmare. But I think that'd be yeah. Cool. V- Vision with the Mind Gem would be a nightmare. Vision with the Soul Gem would be kind of pointless. Exactly. So, I, but I still think it'd be kind of cool. Other than that, like non-thematically, um, Wolverine having the Space Gem be kind of cool just just give wolverine the reality gem oh yeah there you go reality gem for wolverine boom nailed it lock it up that's what i said all along leland also says a member of the discord has been found in a dumpster who is suspect number one from the house party protocol discord and what was their motive then he did the little purple horn face emoji and uh yeah so, suspect number one, definitely Schultzy. It's, it's, period, lock it up, it's Schultzy. Schultzy, suspect number one, no question. And his motive was that whomever was found dead clearly liked waffles and or bagels for dinner instead of pancakes for dinner. There you go. Nailed it. That's true crime very drama. Odd and specific take. Look, it is very odd and specific take. Come hang out in the House Party Protocol Discord and you will understand these references so definitely. But he is he is definitely the most sus for doing something like that. So yeah. That's definitely it. Uh and then last up, we've got Ryland in the current quote-unquote, meta, why take Beast, and where do you see him? And I'll refer back to our discussion on Beast because I think that the main reason to take Beast is if you kind of want someone that is a mobile beater that your opponent can kind of get lost on at times and maybe kind of devote the wrong resources to at times, right? Like, let's say they've got a Captain Marvel on the other side of the board, or they've got a rocket and he's using a whole bunch of attacks on beast with rocket. Maybe that's good for you. You know what I mean? Maybe captain Marvel taking attention onto beast versus somebody else is good for you. Do you agree with that? I, I don't, I don't know. I think if, uh, I think if beast is showing up anywhere, uh, for from what I have seen, it's it's gonna just be with 
X-Men for the the point of uh, what we've already talked about. I don't know. I'm trying to give a little spice in there. I'm trying to sauce it up a little bit, okay? You know what? All right, let's uh, let's go saucy. Let's go let's go extra super deep. Where are we taking Beast? <laughs> are you asking me or are you going to answer this question? No, I'm I'm, I'm going to this is rhetorical. I'm going to I'm going to come up with some crazy shenanigans. Uh Let's go Shield. Why do you think Beast plays in Shield? Uh, I think uh, Shield already likes uh, kind of going wider, so another three thread is a welcome addition. Uh, but his uh, speediness just kind of continues to impact the extract uh, shenanigans that can happen. And since, as long as you line him up well, Ala not against a energy attacking character. Uh, Beast can double move and take an extract from the opponent's side of the board on any of like the F setups, so like cubes or spider infected, which are things that shield are probably playing anyway. So having the shield agents on one side of the board and beast on the other side of the board threatening both of your opponent's extracts is uh, kind of rude. Yeah, yeah, I think that's uh, that's pretty decent right there. I like that a lot. A nice deep cut, if you will. Plus, he should have power where if he is damaged, he can then use some of that leadership ability to advance short, and then boom, you got a beast in your face. Nobody likes that. Yep. So, I like that, Nate. And with that, Suits, that about wraps it up, but I'm going to do something that I haven't done a ton of, and I apologize for it. All right, I apologize for it, but I have to give a special shout-out to our Mark V Suits as part of our Patreon. And it's one of those things where, look, I started the Patreon a long time ago and I have always said that no matter what you give as part of the Patreon, it's because you like what I do here with House Party Protocol and you know, I appreciate every single person that has been a part of the suit program, that has been a part of the the stuff. No one is better than anyone with all of this. But I, I have to say thank you so much to the Mark V specifically. You've got Ron, Benjamin, Schultze. There he is. He's definitely going to change that now. Carl, Dakota, David, Eric, Eric, Jason, Jeff, Josh, Josiah, Lexa, Michael Lafferty, awesome dude, Nathan, Randall, Russ, Scott, Sean, and Will. All of y'all are the realist, and I appreciate it. And I just want to let everybody out there know that I appreciate literally every one of you that gives me your time, that provides the feedback that I get for this podcast. It is critical to helping me get better as a podcaster and get better for y'all out there. And one of the things that I've been mentioning for a while now, look, we're going to have merch coming out very soon. I'm really excited to kind of get that off the ground. So if you want to rep little house party protocol t-shirts or like a mug sitting there, sip it on a mug, that's definitely going to be awesome with some logos and stuff on it. You can do that too, but we're going to have all that stuff. There will be a link coming up very soon for that. So check out our social media for that. And uh, yeah, we've got some fun stuff in the pipeline here. I'm going to be doing 
some streaming a little more, uh, maybe even some non-crisis protocol related things. So if you're interested in checking that out, you can follow uh, twitch.tv slash DarthBalls05. That's Darth and then Balls with a Z, 05, because high school me thought it was cool and 35-year-old me hasn't changed it. So there you go. <laughs> you can check that out and maybe come and hang out with me over there. And if you're uh, listening to this on a podcast platform that allows you to leave a review, if you would, I would really appreciate it. Let me know how I'm doing. It also helps other people that are looking for crisis protocol content find their way here and find their way to other crisis protocol content in general because we love supporting this community. That's what we're all about here. Community, fun, living the dream, all of that good stuff. So make sure to check that out. And where can people find you? Uh, yeah, guys, you can find me over on the Gamer Guild YouTube channel. I have everything from some battle reports, character reviews, as well as just talking about things Marvel Crisis Protocol related. Uh, also recently, I guess recently is a little bit of a stretch at this point as it's been five months, uh, there is now a Gamers Guild podcast where we've been doing affiliation breakdowns uh, amongst uh, other just MCP topics where I am joined by uh, the king of Tennessee, as Will likes to put it so often, Merzane, uh, his good friend and co-host on Advanced R&D, Kenny G, as well as Sooner, the first TTS champion, and Shadow Marvel. Oh yeah, shout out to all of those guys. You do a great job over there, Nate, and we love having you on. Thanks, buddy. It's, it's good to be back. Yes, it is, man. I, I love after party it's so good and there will be more so strap in suits we're gonna we're gonna be kicking this off it's gonna be wonderful let us know what you think let us know if you want to see the after party make its triumphant return for good by liking and subscribing and all of that fun stuff because apparently we're a youtube channel now and uh yeah with that party on nate party on will empower down suits.